You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us Saturday, September 30th for our sobriety sprint, 5K, as we remember, honor, and celebrate those who've lost their lives. This family-focused event will feature a one-mile fun run, inflatables, food trucks, and more. Register to run or honor a loved one at sobrietysprint.com. This podcast is brought to you by the Oklahoma Beef Council. On behalf of Oklahoma's 50,000 beef farming and ranching families, we are working hard every day to bring high-quality beef to your table. To learn more, visit oklabeef.org. That's oklabeef.org, linked below. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, host, back with another episode. Very special episode for you today. You are going to hear from three Pistol Pete's over the years. This episode is to celebrate 100 years of Pistol Pete. Go Pokes. And um, first, I have the pleasure of introducing you to uh, number 19, uh, Mr. Gary Bridwell. Gary, thanks so much for inviting us to your office today. It's uh it's colored appropriately. <laughs> you're it's quite awesome. welcome, Mike. Glad you're here. So we are at uh, Ditchwich HQ in Oklahoma City off I-35. And if you know what Ditchwich is, then it also shares the greatest color scheme in America's brightest orange of Oklahoma State. Um, before we dive into you being a Pete, tell me a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? What's kind of like your origin story? And then how'd you end up going to Oklahoma State? So um, I grew up in Perry and attended uh, the public schools there for all the way up to my sophomore year. And my dad worked as a sales rep for uh, Ditchwich Manufacturing, and he wanted to own his own business. The only school, the only dealership that was open was in Annapolis, Maryland. And so uh, the last day of school my freshman year, we moved to Annapolis, Maryland. And we were up there for a couple of years and he uh, decided that he wanted to move back to Oklahoma and finish raising his kids in Oklahoma. So my senior year, we moved back to Oklahoma. 
And uh, as I decided where I wanted to go to college, um, he said I could go to any college in, in Oklahoma. And I decided I wanted to move away from school, so I moved to Stillwater, which was 25 miles away. And that was a great choice. So I just, um, Oklahoma State was a great place for me to go because it was a safe environment. I got a great education, and the culture in Stillwater has fit me well. It was good. Yeah. And full circle moment, you end up working back at Ditchwich. Yeah. So what? Uh, when did you start working at Ditchwich? Was Dad still in the business? Um, so, yes, he was still working for the factory after he had moved back. And as I was finishing graduate school, I had a couple of degrees that were going to take me into the pharmaceutical industry on the East Coast. He didn't want his kids, grandkids to be raised out there, so he, uh, he quizzed me and said, you know, hey, what about uh, looking at the Ditchwich business again? And so we approached the uh, present Ditchwich dealer then, who was the very first Ditchwich dealer, and he initially said, no, I don't want to sell my business. So about two weeks later, after that happened, uh, he called us back. Russ Sadler was his name, and he called Dad back 10 o'clock at night, landline, and said, John, were you serious about buying my business? And, and John said, well, I don't know if I can afford it, Russ, but you have a great business, and Gary and I could work together. Two weeks later, we made a deal with him, and he financed it himself. And so after graduation, after my MBA graduation, I moved to Tulsa. My dad moved to Edmond. And fast forward to today. Yeah. So. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. So you went to work, you basically went to business with that. Yeah. God. It was great. So many great stories, I'm sure. Good yeah. and bad stories, right? Like, <laughs> uh, no, it's been a, it was a really good yeah. journey. And as of today, my oldest son is in our business. Brilliant. Yeah, so he's the third generation, and, and uh, it's great. I get to talk to him every day, and we get to solve problems together, and yeah. Fight problems. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so good. It's that's, It seems like I, I know a lot of other people who family generations have dealerships. It seems like a generational thing. Like the kids grow up, you know, washing cars or whatever it is, and then slowly progress through, you know, sales, finance, and then into a management position. And it's... Um, it's nice to hear that that's obviously in the Ditchwish model as well. It's not, you know, it's the same same sort of a business, which that's really nice for you to have that connection and have that time with with dad and family. And, you know, a lot of people, I heard this stat the other day, it was like, uh, for the first 18 years of your life, you spend the most time with your parents. And then for the remaining time of your life, the amount of time that you actually spend with your parents is one more year which is really sad. It is. Right? And it made me like call my parents straight away. But the fact that you've had that, you know, you, you've had that relationship with family and you get it with your son and you've had it with your dad that like, you know, you, you're in the same business together. That's, that's uncommon and really special. That's right. So. When, I'm, <clears throat> when I'm with him, Mike, I, uh, he, he will say, what do you want to do? And I tell him, I just want to be in your presence. And it's the same thing with his brother, Cody, who's in the medical business. We try to do things together, and it's just, hey, I just want to hang out with you. We don't have to really accomplish anything. Just be in your presence yeah. because of the very things you're speaking about. Special. Super special. Um, all right. Enough about family. I don't mean to pry on all that stuff. But 1972 to 73, you're our Pistol Pete number 19. Talk me through... Um, 
the moment that I guess I mean do you, would you have an earliest memory of seeing Pistol Pete you grew up in Oklahoma State fan yeah because Perry being 25 sure. miles away we, we would go to a lot of basketball games and, and some football games but mostly basketball games because Mr. Iba was there coaching and iconic coach and lots of really cool tight games so um, and I would see Pete there I remember as a grade school kid and go ask him for shell casing, you know, and shake his hand. Just, um, it was easy to remember. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Do, do the Pete's now still hand out shell casings? <clears throat> no. I, I was going to so. say that's probably not a good thing anymore. No, but. I, I, I think that our society has kind of <laughs> pushed that to the side. <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that. And I'm yeah. Like, oh, that, that's probably one of those things that just over time, it's just not appropriate yeah. anymore. And yeah. at that time, we loaded our own blanks. Okay. So we would remove the primer, fill them with a little black powder, and put some toilet paper in there and jab yeah. it down, and that's what we used. Yeah. So... <laughs> I'm sure I, I would love to be just in the room when all you Pete's get together and start talking about the differences and what you know how it's evolved and the things because of all the stories that come around and all the things that you were you know was normal back then or and isn't allowed now like oh, society moves on and norms are changing like this must be super fascinating which hopefully we get some of those stories through over over the three of you today um <laughs> uh, so so basketball was kind of first memory of, of seeing you know that just iconic Pistol Pete and um, did did you get to meet that iconic Pistol Pete that you first remember without like you know in person without the head on and everything did you I, don't, rem I you don't, don't remember it I, they were pretty protective of who it was yeah. and all those sort of things yeah so I don't remember it um, the thing that I do remember that caused an event when I became was that during at that time the old Pete's would shoot free throws from from the free throw line underhanded during breaks and halftime because there typically wasn't the big show that there is now. Uh, so And they would interact with the crowd moving around a little bit. So I remember that. Mm -hmm. Did you, in high school, were you kind of the mascot person in high school? No. No? No. I, uh, I actually... I went to three different high schools, and um, I was fortunate enough to start at quarterback at all three of those. And so I was pretty busy during football season, and then kind of the same in basketball. Yeah. So and, and just didn't even, obviously didn't even cross your mind at that time, I guess, because you're you know you're playing football, you're playing basketball, you might be playing other sports as well as you know being in high school. And I guess if you go to three different high schools, you're always sports was like probably the way that you found identity and exactly right. Found your friends, too. You're exactly right. Yeah. When we moved to Maryland, I say football saved my life because mm -hmm. when we moved there, I knew no one and um, just told the coach, hey, I'd like to come out and, and um, ended up winning the sophomore quarterback job, kind of beat their guy out, which initially wasn't too good, but it turned out good. Yeah. And then... Uh, the next year, my parents moved to their arch rival, <laughs> compounded the problem, <laughs> and I won the job there. So, you know, but football saved my life because we got I got immersed into with other friends real quick. Yeah, so. yeah, you were you were really popular at that point. <laughs> yeah. right? Going to the rival high school yeah. and taking uh, taking you know 
QB1 just spots everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so, so like you said, you kind of come back to Oklahoma. Dad moves you all back to Oklahoma to raise the kids, and, and you go to Oklahoma State. Um, I guess what is your first run-in, I guess, then with, with, you know, with Pistol Pete and that whole kind of scene in your freshman year at Oklahoma State? Good question. So I, as I was immersing myself into college life, I um, was, you know, working on my school grades and what my culture was going to be. In the, I was in a fraternity, Sigma Phi Epsilon. And so after I got that first year over, I was trying to figure out how could I be close to the field? How could I be, because sports had been a big part of my life, how could I get close to the field? And so uh, I was reading the college newspaper, the Ocali, and there was uh, an ad there for applications for Pistol Pete for the next year. And then, um, so I went and applied for that, and there was a big interview process of, you know, former Pistol Pete's, there weren't that many at that time, but there was administration and some of that. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started applying for that and ended up getting into the second cut and was awarded that uh, honor, and it truly was an honor. And then the other thing I was trying to do was by staying close to the field, I started officiating little league sports and junior high and high school sports. So those two things basically gave me an avenue to get close to the field. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, if you're in high school and you're having success of being a quarterback and playing basketball and, and, and football, like you, and you come to school and, you know, you're, you're you, you don't either, you know, you don't think you're good enough to make the team or you don't want to play football anymore, whatever it is, like, you still, that's still a huge part of your life, right? And, like, you know, the next best thing is, you're not going to be a palm girl, right? So yeah. you're not going to be Pistol Pete, right? Like yeah. it's 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 like you said, it's an honor to be that position. There's so few people are that position, yeah. and to you know to to be a hundred years in and and you know be at number nineteen, right? Like that's that's again, that's a really cool honor to have as well, and so many awesome memories. And you know, there was some benefits to it, Mike. At that time, um, there was like eight to ten cheerleaders, and the travel squad was Pete and the cheerleaders. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't all bad. Uh, so, what what is like what what was the process for you then of, of being selected and you know for for sort of seventy two and seventy three of being Pete? What what was that process that you had to go through? And you said you got through the first round, and like has the process changed as well? Um, probably a little more physical of. Uh, Dramat not dramatic, but animated okay. things types. Most of ours was typically uh, interview process of what your preferences, you know, what, uh, where do you volunteer, you know, what your, they were trying to figure out what my character was, make sure I wasn't a mass murderer right. with a gun in a stadium of, yeah. of 60,000. Um, and um, my partner, Mike Martin, was an outstanding young guy there, and and he helped me out a lot uh, when I couldn't make a, an event and stuff. But the process, I think, was just them getting to know me to make sure that I was the right kind of character that was going to represent the school. Mm -hmm. Because you do you do elementary events, you do um, introductions of ribbon cuttings, and all the sporting events, is, you know, for sure. It's uh, you're just presented in a lot of different ways, and even though you don't speak, you 
you do the gestures, hand gestures, and um, everybody's excited to see Pete. And so you want to make sure that you're in the right frame of mind and um, they receive the right message. Yeah. And, and uh, I had uh, a couple of years ago now, I had Stephen Vaconi on the podcast. Yeah. Um, was. I mean, what, three or four years ago, maybe it was a Pete. Uh, and then he, he shared a story, you know, like you said, you go to a lot of events, right? You go to a lot of weddings, birthdays. But one of the special moments for him, he shared that he went to um, an elderly gentleman's house. The, the granddaughter or grandson reached out and said, look, he's not doing great, but, like, he's always wanted to meet Pete. And he tells this extremely emotional story about going and seeing this guy and, you know, and being in you know, the whole the whole uh, character and meeting this old man and then getting to sit down with him and talk to him after and share stories and then, you know, finds out that the guy passes shortly after. Um, do you have any moments that, that stand out to you of, you know, over the two years that you were a repeat of events, either weddings, birthdays, significant moments like that, that, that you're a part of? Because your schedule is stacked. Like you go from sometimes multiple a day, right, event, you know, appearances a day. That, that's exactly right. And Stephen gave you a good example of what happens there. Mm -hmm. Most of my memories from those type of events were at elementary schools okay. where, the, you know, kindergarten, first grade, and those kids, they are so excited to see Pistol Pete. You know, they're just bouncing all over the place like ping pong balls. And uh, that, the joy that it brings to your heart to see that and Put you in the right mood for sure. Yeah, are you allowed to keep the outfit? Um, Obviously not the head, but like, yeah, are you allowed the to head. Keep the outfit? No, um, and no, they pass down the shaps. Okay, uh, you, the boots you keep. They and we give each everybody has a set of spurs, mm -hmm. and with your number and date on them and stuff. Um, the guns are passed down. The guns, I had to buy new guns because they were stolen the year before I got in there. And so there weren't any to pass down to me. That Somebody broke into the Pete's car and stole his gun. So um, the guns get typically passed down in their special blank pistols. And um, it's... It's just a fun gig, I have to tell you. Yeah. How was the, how was the football and basketball team during those years? Terrible. <laughs> really? The football teams were, they, I mean, there was a lot of four and seven. And yeah. It just um, makes me appreciate Coach Gundy. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, they, they weren't very good till the 80s when Barry Sanders came in and Mike Gundy and Thurman Thomas. Now that group, you know, raised yeah. the roof, but I was way gone then. Um, the basketball teams were pretty good. Uh, there was a Big 8 at that point. And um, I have one special memory of the Big 8. So I was Pete at the Municipal Auditorium in Kansas City in uh, 73. And so we were playing Colorado. And I don't know where in the tournament we were, but... Um, the NC2A highlight film crew was there, and they were filming. Well, I'm bouncing the ball around out between midcourt and, and the top of the key, and you know you, ha you can't see it, so you have to know where it is, and I'm dribbling out there. And I'd shot a couple of free throws underhanded and made one and missed two or three, and so just kind of walking around out there, and they come up to me and they say, Pete, shoot it from here. And so I turn around to see who's talking to me, and they're filming. 
And I turned to see where the gold was. And I, I said, I can't get it there from here. And they said, doesn't matter, shoot it anyway. So I dribble and I lift it up and lift it up, kind of straighten up a couple of times. And remember, you can't see anything. So I take the ball and I just heave it as hard as I can between my legs. And it's nothing but net. And the crowd goes nuts. And uh, that was on their film for a couple of years. But that was kind of a fun time. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you can't, you can't see a thing, you, right? You, I mean, see. you can see a little bit, but you can't see enough to shoot or, you know, run around or whatever it is. Like, it's very restricted. And It's easy to trip because you can't see right in front of you. And, uh, but that was a special moment. <laughs> Pure luck. <laughs> So awesome. Uh, so, like I said, 72 to 73, football team isn't great. Um, but you, like I said earlier, you get to travel a lot. You go into all the games. You know, you're uh, um, you know, you're know, very involved, obviously, and, and there's two of you. You and you said Matt as well was one of them. Who was the other Mike one? Martin. Mike Martin. Was it Mike your only one, or do you kind no, of? No, okay. just Mike Martin. You and Mike. Um, I didn't know there was two until I interviewed Stephen, right? Like, there's just little well, things that you're... Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that was it until then... Um, up until that point, there was it was there was a Pete with an alternate, but you know I considered Mike as my partner, mm-hmm. um, and then they started selecting two somewhere after that because there was so much work. Okay, got and, you. Yeah, um, it's it's just there's a lot of work with it. Yeah. So one of the things that. that is kind of funny is that if I was going to take your picture, if I got your camera up in your face, what would you do? Yeah. Wouldn't you smile? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, no one can see you so smiling. You're all smiling. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a natural response. And so sure. people say, here, Pete, I want to take your picture. Well, you're in there just <laughs> grinning. <laughs> you're just grinning away. <laughs> there was so many times I'd walk away laughing at myself is to see you idiot they can't see you smiling in here cheeks uh, are hurting so much because people are taking pictures of you all day yeah <laughs> no yeah. one's seen you smile that's exactly right oh, that's and awesome. um and then probably the other thing is how hot it is in there i mean it is really it's really hot or it was i, I think they've added tried to add some fans in there or something to cool it off yeah. and get a little circulation and stuff but um it was hot. Yeah. What well, so after being Pete, you know, it's been. Wow, I don't want to age you, but no, you're I, fine. I'm terrible at math, but no, that it's was been a long time ago. Well, what's seventy three to now? That I'll was about fifty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what, what's it been like being a part of, of of you know the the group that you guys have, right? Right. You know, so many of you and, and the brotherhood that's involved in that. You know, since you've been a Pete, you know, you've been out of it longer than you, you know, it's been a long time. So, like, what's that been like since 73, stepping the other side and being a part of that community and seeing everyone evolve and meeting with everyone every year? Like, what's that like? Yeah, that's a good question, too, Mike. So, for quite a while, there was there was a lull of us getting together and, you know, until probably we come to, came to ref- uh, appreciate the fact that we are, we are a fraternity. We are a group of guys that are bonded by the same character. And I would say there was five or six guys that have really bonded us together in the last 10 years. 
Um, it was that group that's in the 30s and 40s numbers, Pete's in the numbers. I mean, I would say Scott Petty, uh, Kurt Carter, Rob Reynolds, um, you know, Rick Wilson, just a whole bunch. There's a lot of guys in that time frame. Uh, Wyatt Stinford has been very instrumental in putting us together and keeping us together for a positive um, measure. We're doing some things now for some charities, which is a good feeling. Um, it, it's, it's a thing that has stuck with me my whole life. Because if you go somewhere and you, you, see, you see someone from Oklahoma State or something there and you say, hey, Pistol Pete 19, opens up the door. They want to talk and they, uh, they're appreciative of everything, you know. And the, I just did that yesterday to a little kid in the grocery store because he had on an OSU hat. And, uh, he, you know, he just kind of beamed, you know. He didn't know me from Adam, but the fact that Pistol Pete was spoken, he knew who that was. Yeah. So, that is special. Yeah. That? And that, you know, like this is something that's going to last for a very long time. And, and you know, you kind of have your own part of history in that. Um, and a hundred years, you know, that this whole year of celebration is great. And I know there's some things coming out and um, some collaborations happening up in Stillwater with, with local businesses, which is great to see. And just the amount of people and, and the, who, that know, you know, the brand, the face, the cowboy hat, the pistol, whatever it is, like everyone knows who Pistol P is. That's right. Um, and, uh, and they have a positive response to it. They do. They do. Yeah, it's. Um, I wish a lot of people dove into the history more. I think that's one thing we don't do enough of, right? Is to figure out who you know who is the original. Where does it come from? And the yeah. whole story there, uh, because it is a fascinating story. It is a fascinating uh, story, and and you know I'm sure that's part of you know what you guys do as well is you know by keeping the name alive, but also by keeping the story alive of you know that whole the whole situation how it all started because. Wouldn't have one, right? You know, yeah. if it always takes one person. The um, that group that I mentioned mm -hmm. has been very instrumental in putting together and drip, pulling in the Eaton family, mm -hmm. the granddaughters and sons and all that extended family. And um, just Saturday, when we had the Spurs ceremony, where we give the Spurs to the new Pistol Pete's, three or four of them were there, and they're so appreciative. Of the support that they're getting of their heritage. Mm. So first game of the year, you give your Spurs. Is that what that was? Yes. This Saturday, just gone. So the the incoming Pete's incoming yeah. Pete's get a set of Spurs with their number on it and their year. So everybody has them displayed. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of you kind of can't like meet that first game. Is that kind of a thing too? Yeah. There's a good presentation. There's a good group yeah. that I think there were forty there. Wow. I know. Um, that that uh, did the presentation and, yeah. and then homecoming's a big time for us too. Sure. There, they have what they call roll call, and uh, it's a kind of a new um, annual thing that we're doing to honor the Pete's that have passed on and uh, those sort of things. Yeah, it is awesome. It's special. Um, you know, like you got stories to tell, family forever, and and the moments and, and just like that camaraderie. And like you said, you're all fraternity. You know, there's there's a lot of 
really cool things to come from that and yeah. something is special in, you know, Oklahoma, not just Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma history, you know, to, to have that. And, um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And it's uh, before, I mean, before we finish this one, do you have any stories that anything else that comes to mind that, or, or things that you want to pass on to people listening that may be unaware of just what happens or um, anyone listening that might want to be a Pete in the future? Well, anyone that would want to be a Pete in the future, I would encourage them to pursue it. Okay. Do not hesitate. Pursue it. Because it's a great honor that sticks with you for your life, and you get to meet and see a lot of uh, dignitaries and special people on the travels. Yeah. It's a great journey. So to that point, who have you met that you uh, that was notable then on your journey travels? So uh, I met Tom Osborne. He, uh, he actually came up and apologized to me because some of the Nebraska folks were throwing oranges at me. <laughs> and obviously, Barry Sanders, um, you know, Thomas, um, you know, just, just people like that that will come up and they know we're working hard and they know that it's a challenge to get mm -hmm. everything done that we're trying to do and they're very respectful of that. Yeah. Have you have you put on the the outfit and the head like since seventy three? Um, yeah, a couple of times okay. when we were at an event and Pete took it off and set it down, you know. Uh, and when I would sit it down, I think, "Oh man, I don't remember this being this heavy." <laughs> I guess because I was older. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, Gary, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of stories. Um, I mean, congrats on 100 years of being a part of that. That's a huge, uh, huge accomplishment for everyone to be a part of and someone to be, everyone to be proud of in that's a part of that, you know, the Brotherhood Fraternity, um, whatever you want to call it, it is special. And, um, yeah, thank you for hosting us. Uh, I'm excited to hear the uh, the two gents that are coming after us. But um, congratulations again. And uh, for people listening, um, come by Ditchwich if you want to see number 19 Pistol Pete. That's it. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate your time. All right, guys. We will get into the next uh, Pistol Pete shortly. Um, be right back. What's up, guys? Uh, here is our second uh, Pistol P of our episode today. Uh, please welcome Mr. John Price, who was Pistol P from 88 to 90 and is number 45. Uh, John, thanks so much for coming down to uh, Ditchwich today to share some stories. My pleasure. So 88 to 90, team must have been pretty good during that period. Yeah, we won a Heisman Trophy that year. <laughs> it's not a bad time to be a P, yeah. right? And let me say, I am certainly not taking credit <laughs> for, for uh, Barry Sanders' performance in any way, but I do think it's a bit of a coincidence that we haven't won one since yes. uh, I was Pete. So I'll just I'll just leave it at that. No, it was it was absolutely a fantastic time to be Pete. Amazing! What a, yeah, what a time to be alive! What a time to be that involved and that close to everybody. Uh, before we dive into those stories, though, tell me a little bit about you. Do you are you Oklahoma born and raised? Stillwater born and raised. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my my dad was a career army officer, and Stillwater was his last uh, active duty assignment. Well, we went to Fort Leonard Wood for just just briefly, but we didn't even sell the house in the Stillwater, came back to Stillwater. Yeah. And uh, he was he was ready to retire. I was the youngest of the four boys, so I missed most of the, the Army traveling. You know, my brothers got to see 
uh, you know, Fort Benning and West Point and Leavenworth, Virginia Beach, but uh, but uh, my traveling was was pretty limited. So yeah. Stillwater was always home for me. Yeah. Uh, did you, your brothers, think about going into the military following dad? Yeah. 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 Thought about it. Thought about it. But, uh, you know, with, with OSU right there in the backyard, uh, we all we all ended up all ended up going there. Yeah. So obviously very familiar with Pistol Peak growing up then. Oh, sure. And very, you know, just it's there, his logo's everywhere, he's there. Like it's, um, as a kid growing up, you know, and, and being around that, especially growing up in Stillwater must have been like, I mean, this guy is he's a superhero. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and we're actually getting ready, you know, to get into my favorite time of year because I think if you grow up in Stillwater, you know, there's there's really something pretty special about the fall and homecoming and Halloween. It, it all just kind of, you know, the cool weather, it all kind of, all kinds of happens at, at once, you know. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And walk around, even when I was a kid, was a big, it yeah. was a big deal. And it's just continued to grow from there. Yeah, and then homecoming, I mean, it's America's brightest homecoming. Oh, yeah. It, you know, it gets, I brought my parents um, over one year. They came over during homecoming. I said, well, let's go. So we went to, it was, they played Baylor, I think, uh, a few years ago now. And my mom, my dad, my brother, like just their eyes were open and jaws were on the floor the whole time. They couldn't believe like the scale of right. the day. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like being a part of that, you know, leading the team and, and all the things that you got to do. Um but do you do you have a first memory of, of, of seeing a pistol Pete? Do you have anything that stands out to you? You know, I think just the just seeing him uh, on the field, and when, you know, when you're a little kid, things always seem so much bigger. And the costume is is big to, to anybody, but especially when you're small and growing up in Stillwater. And you know, he would come to he would come to school. He'd be at events. He was you know he's very visible. And uh, just the, the scale and the proportion, I think, was always pretty striking. So. Yeah. So you decide, don't want to go in the military. I think Oklahoma State's in my backyard. I'm going to go to OSU. Uh, what do you decide to study? What, what do you think you're going to go to school for? Well, I had uh, several majors while I was in uh, OSU, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I ended up uh, getting a history degree. Okay. And uh, really enjoyed it, and had some great professors. And I think the most important thing that it that it taught me was, I got out of school knowing how to read and write. And that, that sounds you know kind of silly or oversimplified, but it it's served me really well, mm-hmm. really well. Yeah, to do it at a level that like you can make money doing it rather than doing driving a truck or something else. Like I. I'm not, my aunt was my English teacher and she got me through my English classes. I had a great math teacher who was a golfer, so he took pity on me and kind of taught me a different way (laughs) than everybody else that I understood. But I think you're right, like reading and writing as a skill level, it's extremely undervalued. Yeah, oh, I totally, Even I totally today. agree. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was great preparation for law school. Ultimately, I did go to law school, and uh, I credit my OSU education with with a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, do you want when when do you make the decision to go to be a to be a lawyer? Like, when, was that very early on in your kind of college career? You mentioned a bunch of different majors. I knew it was. I knew it was probably in the cards. Mm-hmm. You know, one way or another. Wasn't sure exactly. You know exactly when I would go or where I would go or what I wanted to do uh, with it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, ended up going to law school just after, just after college. Okay. Uh, 
why why do you want to be a law, in, a, in law school? Why do you want to be a lawyer? Well, again, I thought it was I, I thought uh, in speaking with friends, you know, not everybody who goes to law school uh, practices law. Sure. And just great preparation for a lot of things, whether you wanted to, you know, whatever career path you wanted to take. Uh, ultimately, I started, worked for, uh, in private practice briefly, but started working for uh, contracting firms and uh, looked at a lot of uh, contracting provisions and, and was a contract officer for a couple of companies. And then ultimately, it's funny the way things work out, came back to OSU and worked in their legal counsel office as one of their attorneys, and my focus was really uh, research contracts. Yeah. Worked with them for a long time. It's amazing how life comes back full circle, full circle right? right. Uh, did you put on the resume was pistol Pete? No, no, I I, no. Yeah. People have a way of people have a way of finding out that they figure it yeah. out, right? Yeah, uh, that's really cool that you end up you know going back full full circle moment uh, and and doing that. So when you go to OSU. Um, before you get there, do you have any experience being a mascot before you get to OSU? No. Zero. No. It seems no. to be a trend. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that said that, that I've spoken to, that I, the guys that I know, Pete, they're like, no, we were never a mascot in high school. Yeah. And I saw, it was really just, I, you know, luck, fortune, I, I don't know what you want to call it, but I was sitting in the back of class one day and probably not paying as close of attention as I should. And I was flipping through the Ocali and I saw an ad for Spirit Squad tryouts and I was talking to the people around me and I was like, hey, you know, Pistol Pete. I was like, I could do that. And uh, filled, out the, filled out the application and a couple of weeks later, they sent me home with a 50 pound fiberglass head. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Well, I mean, what makes you think that I, I can do that? Like you sat in the back of a classroom, just like probably you know looking for the, just something to get him excited about, and you. Yeah, it was really funny. I just you know I saw the ad. And it said uh, you know pom pom girls, uh, uh, varsity cheerleaders, and Pistol Pete, and you know just like we were talking about earlier, you know you start to think about. Uh, your your history with Pistol Pete and you know growing up seeing Pistol Pete and you just think wow okay yeah there's actually somebody that does that and uh, and now I'm could be that person so you know went through the went through the tryout process and yeah that was that what was that process uh, we went to a couple nights at the Colvin Center the guys who are currently Pete had us come over and they let us try on some of the stuff and put the head on and practice and you know do a few uh skits and things like that and just just practice you know walking in the head and and then you went the following week or, or a couple of nights later you met with a group of former peets uh over in uh, the athletic center and it was it was an interview process and kind of a combination of things. They'd ask you some questions. They'd go over your resume with you. They'd talk about, you know, academics, and uh, and then you'd do. Uh, you had to have a skit that you had prepared, so you did a little skit, and then finally you'd put the head on and kind of do some impromptu situations. Um, and then later that night they announced it. Yeah. So, but it was about uh, three, four, you know, five former Pete's. Okay. Walked us, walked us through the process. Yeah. What um, what years were you in school when you did that? 
I tried out my sophomore year. So that had been the, yeah, I think it was the spring of my sophomore year. Okay. And I did it my sophomore and junior years, I think. Yeah. And because it's two year terms, right? No, it's to one year term. Oh, just one year term. One year term. So they roll over. Yeah, I tried out again. I tried out. Okay. Twice for gotcha. the for the next. So I I did it. Uh, I tried out first year. I tried out was eighty eight to eighty nine, and then tried out again and did it uh, eighty nine to ninety. Okay. Uh, and like we said, I mean the football team was pretty epic at that time. Yeah. So yeah. everyone loves you know everything's going well when the football team's doing well. Yeah. Right. So your job's a lot easier when the football team's doing well because you're busy. You're always out yeah. on the field. You're not kind of getting through games. Just yeah. Like, and, es- and especially with Barry, you know, winning the Heisman that year, there were just so many opportunities for press and media and picture taking, and just it seemed like we had just a lot, a lot of things to yeah. do. Which was great. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was all part of it. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what are those kind of really cool memories and stories from those moments where, you know, like I said, you got so much media attention from, you know, arguably the greatest of all time to play at Oklahoma State, you know, and, and obviously wins a Heisman. And then you have Thurman Thomas as well, which, yeah. could, you know, yeah. as well. But, like, what's that like being a part of that and being a Pete? And, you know, they want you there, right? They want to see the head and everything yeah it was it was uh it, he I, and he wouldn't he wouldn't remember me but we did talk on occasion because we'd go to things together he and i'd show up at the same place at the same time and he'd be i remember there was there was a charity basketball tournament uh, that he went to i saw him dunk a basketball which was one of the most amazing physical feats i've ever seen uh and then and then it was funny because we're standing there and i'm standing there with the leading heisman trophy candidate and I put on the head, and all the kids come running to me. <laughs> and then afterwards, we're talking about it, and he says, "Man, they just wanted to see you." I said, well, "I get, I you know. But he was such a well, it still is by all accounts. I mean, just a really great, humble, down-to-earth guy. Uh, he was a he was a pleasure to pleasure to be around. Yeah, so, yeah. And again, he wouldn't remember me, but we just during that time we interacted some. You know, such great moments. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, we. Through, through kind of out this 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 podcast, you know, and and you, know, you talk about Frank Eaton and the history and the legacy of that, right? And every Pete has their story, and every Pete has their moments in time. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of your colleagues and fraternity brothers in the in the Pete club that are very jealous of the time that yeah. you had, yeah. you know, because uh, I was ta- we were talking to uh, to you know Gary just before you, and uh, he's like the team was not good when I was there, and it was, yeah. you know, and then you said which you can't plan that obviously it's it's kind of fate how that works, but you know you what a time to be a part of it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it was it was it was really really fun, yeah. and it was fun to see it. It was fun to see it evolve because it was happening to to all of us at the same time. You know, it was kind of like, and I remember Coach Jones one time, you know, making a making a speech to the team or press conference. I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember the context exactly, but it was kind of like, okay, this is this is getting serious. We are on the verge of something really really big, mm-hmm. and sure enough, you know. Great season, Barry wins the Heisman. Yeah, the whole, the whole thing. Kind of a, a level of success that really we had not. That was kind of the first taste of it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. What? Uh, what? So, tell me about stuff off the field. What, what's it, What's it like? Or what are the experiences you had off the field? You know, obviously people know you for basketball and football games, but you know, as we talk about in this podcast, there's a lot of other extracurricular stuff that you guys go to: birthdays, weddings, 
kids' parties, whatever it is. Um, I mean, what was that like during your era? It was... I was amazed at, and I wish I've, I've, I've got it somewhere. You know, this was before, uh, you know, iPhones and digital calendars and all that. But uh, we, we each had a we each had a book, a calendar book that we kept in our, you know, our pocket. And we just logged the events. And we knew, okay, we've got to be at Glencoe Founders Day Parade on Saturday at 9 a.m. Or we, and we just kept the list. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's throughout the year, it's hundreds uh, of events. And I think the thing that struck me was the, how, how many different types and how varied they were. You know, we were, we were, you know, heavily involved with Special Olympics. Uh, We did birthday parties, we did weddings, we did uh, just any number, you know, I I did a a, a reception for a, a funeral. Uh, if I remember, and uh, so th- there's there's no limit to what you can what you can do. And and when we would host things on campus, when we would have visitors, uh, whether it was you know people locally, kids, or you know foreign delegations that came to campus. Sometimes we'd have foreign visitors that would come and meet professors and department meetings and things like that. Sometimes they'd have us show up, say hello, photo ops, you know that that type of thing. So it was. It was really limitless the number of because because it's there's a certain amount of just of you know bigger branding that goes along with Pete. It's not just it kind of transcends the mascot, the typical mascot, you know, and uh, and I think with that comes a little you know higher level of, of responsibility and accountability and things like that. Yeah. Uh, anybody that you got to meet that you were like, wow, if I wasn't Pete, there's no way I'm meeting this person. Oh gosh, I'd have to. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to think about that one because you know you're you're limited on. Uh, we didn't have any. We didn't have any presidents visit when I was Pete, uh, and a lot of times you know with the head on you're kind of you know, you're you're really only supposed to talk to law enforcement and field officials, you know, uh, and and then if you if the conversation goes much beyond. You know, a couple of words. You really, you step aside and take the head off, and you know, have to have, have the conversation. conversation. So, yeah. Uh, but you know, we got to we got to travel. We went to the Holiday Bowl. Uh, the team Pete did not make. That was the year we also went to the Tokyo Bowl. Pete did not make that trip. Okay. Uh, but we went to the Holiday Bowl. Uh, one of my years, we played uh, we played Ohio State. And I went, and we would, you know, there were two of us, so we'd yeah. trade off. And uh, my my partner that year, Kent Walstead, he went to the Ohio State game, and I went to uh, some ESPN event, you know, later on later on that year. So because you have to accommodate for, you know, we are we are in school, so you got to look at you know test schedules and commitments and things like that. But, People forget that. Yeah. You're like they look at your schedule and you're like. You have zero time for anything other than being a Pete. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which it's a lot of fun, obviously. Um, you get to see, you know, be in rooms and, and go to weddings and birthdays and have a great time. Um, or, you know, just stand there and get photos taken. Um, Gary was joking earlier. He said, there's one thing that's really funny is that when you stand and take photos, nobody can see you smiling. But he's like, I'd find myself smiling all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Like, 
No yeah. one can tell because they can't see your face. But yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of hilarious. That it's natural reaction with to smile when someone takes your picture, but yeah. no one can see your face. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Uh, what's life been like outside on the other side? Like, are you, are you involved in the selection committee? Do you get the events? You know, the, um, I'm sure you guys get together. Obviously, first of the year is just gone. First game of the year, so you, there's a Spurs presentation for that game. Um, you know, what, what, what's it like being on the other side and being a part of of that kind of paid fraternity? Yeah, it's really great because you get to you get to perpetuate the legacy and you get to see the group grow. Yeah, because you know, I. My math isn't that great, but 35 years ago or whatever it was when I was when I was Pete, you know, there, there weren't as many of us. And uh, now there's there's a much larger number, and it really has kind of continued to evolve into this, you know, fraternity type uh, group. And uh, they, you know, the guys have gotten more uh, organized on on the types of things they're trying to do and how they're, you know. Protecting, protecting Pete's legacy with the with the Spurs ceremony and some of the other some of the other things. So, uh, it's been it's been great to see that build. It's been great to see that build. Yeah. Well, what's it been like then? Are you still working for the university, or have you moved on? From no, I work for, I work for a nonprofit. I work okay. for a nonprofit now. So yeah. Which nonprofit? I work for the Sigma Chi Foundation. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're still very involved uh, with. My national fraternity. Yeah. 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 But yeah, gotcha. and, and you know, uh, still still living in Stillwater yeah. uh, because of, you know, the ability to telecommute and things like that. So, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Live near, live near campus still. That's, I mean, to I can't imagine how that feels to be such a, you know, be a part of, of that Frank Eaton legacy and a part of Oklahoma State legacy and still live in town, you know, and, and you don't strike me as the person to walk around and be like, Hey, Pistol Pete, forty-five. Like, let me in. Can I have dinner or whatever? Yeah. You know, like you're not that. You, yeah. don't, you don't strike me as that kind of person. But also, like, just to have, like, you know, to be someone who grew up in Stillwater and, and kind of, you know, like, it. I, I haven't met someone that's more Stillwater than you. If that makes sense, right? Like, grew up there, went to school. Like, yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, like, all the way, all the yeah. way through. I, I was born in the old hospital. Uh, you know, went through Westwood, graduated, served on the local school board. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of Stillwater uh, through and through. Yeah. Where do you see the future going? What do you? What, it sounds like you want to be involved. Um, you know, in in obviously the Pete's and, and and the guys around. Like, what is there any future plans that you guys are working on as a group or want want, want this to go? And well, I think they just. I, I think they I think they continue to get uh, more organized. And also look at not just not just the the recognition and the you know uh, protecting Pete's legacy, but also uh, the the Eaton legacy, and then taking that next step as our numbers grow to really look at what we can do for the university. You know how we can because first and foremost, that's why that's why everybody becomes a Pete is because they love OSU, and I think as you see this group grow. It provides the opportunity to give back to OSU. What can the you know what can the Peets do to help? And I think that's probably the next logical you know step in the evolution. Yeah. Do you have family members that um, like like uh, you know kids or family members that, that are going to want to be Peets? No, mine are uh, mine were were occupied with with other things and stayed very busy in school. But my, all of mine, I've got one left. 
and she's my my last one getting ready to graduate but all of my kids have gone through osu yeah yeah all four Do, uh, were you able to put the, the head on that that kind of daughter's son's birthday parties and be around that no no, no i didn't get didn't get the, <laughs> didn't get the didn't get the chance to do that yeah so. i'm trying to think the last time i even maybe one of the anniversaries or something when we're all kind of standing around we get the opportunity i, I, I haven't had back on yeah i haven't had it on in a long time yeah long time uh i assume it evolves over time right the, the head might change or, or like it gets you know I think uh, Gary was saying it gets bumped and nicked and oh, yeah. you know like there's yeah. there's not just but um, it makes sense that there's two of you because there's so much stuff to do. Mm -hmm. Do you ever see it scaling to three? Maybe uh, it it certainly could. Uh, they'd have to they'd have to they'd have to build another head because there are two heads that are almost identical. Okay. Uh, there's some minor again I haven't seen them you know you know up close. Uh, inside in a long time, but uh, there's some minor differences inside, uh, kind of on the way they're just the, the frame and stuff. But on the outside, they're very, very similar. And you know the uh, the skin colors changed a little bit. The hair has gotten a little darker. They've you know the paint colors of you know they, they continue to uh, keep it in in great shape, uh, but it's it's gotten more you know. I don't want to say professional looking, but but you know it, the the head is really well taken care of, mm -hmm. and it also continues to to progress a little bit as far as you know fitting with the branding and things like that and the color schemes and, and all that. Yeah. So, but I, and I can't remember uh, when I was Pete. There was one gentleman who was who was you know getting getting up there in years, but he had done the work on the Pete head. A, num a number of times and would recondition it and things like that. I couldn't tell you where it goes now, but I do know it gets, they get sent away every once in a while to be totally kind of refurbished and, yeah. and things like that. I mean, it's kind of important. You oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they do get, you know, the reality is they sure. do get beat up and we would, uh, uh, we would, would be responsible for fixing little things here. And again, it's, it's so much more, uh, I don't, I don't know what you would call it, professionalized or this, you know, but, you know, it used to be back in the day that Pete was kind of the unofficial driver for the Spirit Squad. You know, we were usually the ones driving the bus and loading the luggage and kind of taking roll and stuff like that. And now I'm sure it's, it's you know, gotten, gotten, much more, gotten much more sophisticated. But also, like, if we dinged the head or something, uh, there used to be a store in town, uh, Chuck's Paint and Paper, and it was it was kind of well known for uh, helping with homecoming yeah. and providing all night supplies for the for the pompers and things like that. And there were a couple of occasions where I took the peat head into Chuck and said, "Okay, we got a we got a crack here, and it's not going back to be fixed till the summer. So right. what can we do? You know?" And he'd match it. the paint. We'd you know spackle and epoxy and yeah. you know get it get it ready to go again. Oh, that's awesome. What, uh, what Stillwater was a much smaller. I didn't mean to interrupt, but Stillwater <laughs> yeah. was a much smaller town. You know, I mean, it, it, yeah. I'm stating the obvious, but you know, growing up there, and then when I was in school, yeah. Stillwater was a much smaller town. Than well, the social media and everything has just made the world so much more accessible, oh, right? Yeah. Like you oh, can't yeah. you can't do anything now without someone seeing something yeah. it or something. Yeah. Uh, and I, that would be what that would be what would what would make me 
the most nervous is Pete is just the, sure. the level of scrutiny. Yeah. You know, you got to be, I mean, it was certainly incumbent on us to always make you know, good decisions and, 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 and be thoughtful uh, on those types of things. But, uh, yeah, you've got to be just so vigilant now. Yeah. Uh, in that arena, it's it's tricky. It, yeah, it is, and the head is massive, and you can barely see what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, is there any misconceptions around kind of being Pistol Pete or, or stuff that, that you didn't know going in that you figured out once you were in there that they didn't tell you or anything that stands out? No, I think uh, the one of the things that jumped out at me is is it's is just you, you learn as you know you learn as you go. You learn as you go, and uh, I was we we were lucky enough uh, when I was Pete to have Dave Martin, who was super involved and a great sounding board for questions and and, and uh, anytime we we'd have an issue. But uh, I, I think the I think the thing that really struck me as Pete is, you know, you 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 get you literally get handed the head. And you get here's five events you've got to go to over the next two weeks uh, as you get started here. Have fun, yeah. and you're kind of like, okay, well, which which door do I walk in? Do I change here? Do I change there? Do I, you know, you just you, you and I think now with more guys and more time, there's there's more of a kind of an indoctrination process, and it's a little more formalized things like that. But yeah, yeah it was kind of like, there you go, have fun. Well, which door does the head fit through as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Like people don't they probably doesn't don't think of that. Yeah. Showing up to a birthday or a wedding, and you're like, guys, like I need to get the head through the door somehow. Yeah. I don't want to open the double doors and, and, and ruin someone's wedding surprise. <laughs> well, and you learn you learn pretty quick because I think I took over, I took over as Pete, and I immediately started going to baseball games. Okay. And I figured out the height of the head right away as I was walking through uh, Alley P. Reynolds Stadium at the time. I, I hit my head a couple times and, and then figured it out that, you know, okay, here's where I have to, here's where I have to duck, here's what I have to do. Yeah. Uh, finishing up, uh, do you have anything like a, a prized possession um, at the office back home or, or somewhere that you have from the that time as Pete? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh uh, I, I did get to meet and spend some time with uh, Boone Pickens a couple of times uh, out of when when Karsten was first being developed and you know just uh, when he was on campus and he signed his book for me and in the book it says to my pal John Price Pistol Pete let's make a deal Boone and I still have it on my I still have it on my bookshelf so uh, it's it's one of my prized possessions from the time, if not, you know, if not the prized possession. Yeah. Because you look at what he did for the university and, you know, a guy who truly, you know, walked the walk. That, uh, that's a pretty special thing yeah. to keep, right? And yeah. To have. That's yep. awesome. Uh, well, I mean, I can't thank you enough for coming down. Uh, oh, again, I really my appreciate pleasure. you coming down here and sharing some stories and, and you know, from, from that time and, you know, and the time that you were Pete and just to be a part of that legacy and continue the Eaton story um, and, and continue to be a part of it. Obviously, you're, you know, always you born and bred. So yeah. it's, uh, it's good to be around. And, and next time I'm in town, I'm going to have to reach out to you and return the favor and take you to lunch or get a coffee or something because uh, I come up once a month maybe. So I'm going to have to come up and see you. Yeah, please do. Please do. Anytime. Anytime. Awesome.
All right, guys, uh, next episode, finishing up, uh, we have Parker Wilson here, who was Pete number 91 uh, from 2020 to 2022. Parker's also brought his beautiful golden lab. Uh, golden retriever. Golden retriever. Honey, a shot over. <laughs> who is here uh, currently in training, what, four months? Yeah, she's four no. months old. <laughs> You're not going to be able to do that <laughs> for <Yeah>. much longer. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming down. Uh, excited to hear some some Pete stories. Uh, but before we do, talk a little bit about yourself. Tell me a little bit about kind of like your story uh, and um you know, Oklahoma born and raised. How do you get to, to Oklahoma State? Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so my name is Parker Wilson. I was born and raised in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. Um, growing up, I was a big wrestler, uh, football player, baseball player, um, you know, big sports guy, I guess you could say. Um, I never really did um, any mascotting at all. Um, little kind of side note my dad was pistol pete um back in the day when he was in college um so all growing up we'd go to osu football games homecoming whatever it may be and you know we'd hang out with the pistol peets the old pistol peets so it was always one of those things where i uh i was around those guys and i saw how tight-knit they were and um you know i was originally going to go play sports in college and kind of last minute i Decided not to do that. Want to go to Oklahoma State, uh, join a fraternity, and then you know, in the back of my mind, it was always kind of like, man, I, I, the Pistol Pete thing could be cool, um, you know. So I started trying out my freshman year, um, kind of just one of those things. Like I kind of want to experience everything, so I was like, I'll try it out. Try it out. Didn't get it. Um, wasn't too bummed. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't ready for it, to be completely honest with you. Um, and historically, it had been like juniors and seniors who usually get it anyway. Um, but it was a cool experience to go through. Um, but yeah, through college, I was in a fraternity, um, did all of the, uh, you know, college student things. I <laughs> get off the table. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then sophomore year, I tried out again, um, didn't get it. Junior year, tried out again, didn't get it. And Towards the end of college, you know, I was I was in clubs, I was in these sort of things, um, and I was just trying to like expand my horizon, I guess you could say. Um, and after my junior year, I was pretty upset that I didn't get it because I really, really wanted it then. Um, and then it going into junior year, it you know everything closes, um, and then senior year rolls around, and I was like, okay, this is my year to get it. And I tried out and and got it. And it was actually during COVID. We just came back from COVID, and so senior year, I uh, I tried out and got it. And it's kind of weird during the tryout process. Um, I don't know if people watch the OSU Max, but they actually just did a documentary of, of how the process goes, that sort of thing. Uh, mine was not like that. Um, they brought us in there. You had a 15-minute window to come in, do your tryout. And then you had to leave, and then you just got an email whether, you know, if you're Pistol Pete or not, pretty much. Um, so I got the email, and I was pretty excited about that. Um, yeah. And then it, the whole thing started, and it was... It was craziness. They'll they'll tell you everything. You know your life will change, and you know you're, I was 21 at the time. Um, you know, you take it as you as it was, but you don't really grasp it until you know you're you're gone. And uh, I'm like, man, my life has really changed because of this whole thing, and it's yeah. been awesome. Uh, what number was dad? Um, my dad was P Pete number 39. Okay. And like, I mean, all these times you're trying, you're trying, you're not getting it, mm -hmm. like. 
it must be hard for dad because he's like, I can't have any influence. Like, it's it's not up to me. Like, right. But also, like, that's such a tough position to be in as a dad too. Mm-hmm. Like, keep trying. I'm sure you'll get it at some point. But also, like, after the second or third try, you're like, maybe it's just not meant for me. Right. Yeah. He was actually on the selection committee. He was one of the judges for the past, like, 15 years. Yeah. So he sat out all the years that I tried out um, until – you know, obviously after I was Pete and everything, but yeah, he was sitting at home always waiting on the call, you know, so for three years it was, Dad, I didn't get it, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but when he uh, got the call that I got it, he was he was pretty happy. He got out the, we have a big flagpole in our front yard, and he had the pistol P <laughs> flag flying, he sent me pictures, it was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, that's know. really cool. Um, isn't, is support boy bullet stays as well? Uh, I think I've heard that, yeah. Right? I yeah, I heard that because I had Elise on the podcast um, who wrote Bullet well, however many years ago, not that long ago, Elise Wade. Um, and she was like, yeah, we just said to keep driving back and forth. I, I don't say in Stillwater. She's like, I go to support for every mm-hmm. day or whatever it was to, to find, you know, to ride Bullet. But um, so you finally get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, bef- what's going through your mind leading up to not getting it? Like, so you talk time, for that process, for that 15 minutes, what do you do for those 15 minutes? They give you some criteria and say, hey, and for 15 minutes you got these things to do and then yeah it's it. always pretty um standard the questioning you know they they bring you in they they ask you a line of questioning of like you know who are you where are you from that sort of thing um and then it moves into the tell me about the history of frank eaton and you go through the history um once you you know go through that then they'll ask you to put the head on walk around and it's always like looks goofy even like the peats who have to come back and try out again you know because all it is is a head and you have black jeans and a white shirt so this it really looks like some guy walking around with a bobble head on yeah. you know nobody really looks good but they kind of judge you off that the walk um they give you different scenarios like a little girl's crying what are you going to do? You know, you get down on your knees and you play peekaboo or you do whatever. Um, but yeah, they, they tell you to do that. And then they, you know, tell you to take the head off and, and go back and wait your turn, um, bring somebody else in. So you really only get that, you know, 15 minutes of airtime. Um, and for me, I guess that last time it was, it was a lot of pressure because it, you know, it wasn't just like some job where if you don't get it, you can just move on to the next. It was, you know, if I don't get this, this time, I'll never be able to do this again. And that was big for me. Um, you know, for my dad, um, I always kind of wanted to do things off my own. Yes, he did it too. Um, but, you know, everyone likes making their dad proud, you know. Sure. So I was I was happy I got to do that. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the walk. How, how, do you, how does that, like, do you, how do you develop that walk? How do you develop that swagger, like that special kind of the way that he presents him stuff? Mm-hmm. And then do you get coaching on it after you get selected? Um, well, <laughs> most people, yes, do get coaching after. Um, my dad did work with me a lot uh, leading up to it. And it, it is kind of strange. You, you kind of have to put yourself in that, you know, old-timey cowboy mode you know um you kind of have to push your hips up a little bit bend your knees and just kind of sway back and forth and everything you know your head is this big so you kind of have to you know bring your arms out a little bit and kind of sway back and forth and 
it takes some getting to used to, um, for sure. But once you, once you get it, you kind of, you don't really forget it. Um, yeah. it is really goofy when you're not doing it without a head on, you know, you kind of look like an idiot. Um, but if you walk like a normal person with a head on, you look like an idiot too. So it's just one of those things right. you, um, you know, you take some videos of yourself and you walk around a room, you're like, oh, okay, I could change this and change that. Um, and that's the cool thing. Everybody walks different. Everybody does different things. So I can always tell if I see a video of Pete, I can tell instantly if that's me or not. And everyone can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Just by the mannerisms, by the hands. Um, you know, some people, um, do different things. I can always tell, you know, my girlfriend is like, how do you know that's you? I'm like, I, cause I know I, I can tell I've watched so many videos of myself and you know, yeah. I practice that, you know? So, well, that's the thing too. Like it, it's a serious position. It's a serious, like, you know, you're, you're such an icon of, you know, Oklahoma state for the years that you do it. Right. And, and, you know, everyone's looking at you, whether it's grandparents or the kid like mm -hmm. everyone knows who pistol p is and you know everyone has that interaction and, you know you're gonna be on your game the whole time right? right and that's you know it's a lot of work it's a heavy head but also like you know you might be meeting someone for the first time and they've met pete for the first time right yeah. and you got to remember that and to have that swagger and have that you know like you said that cowboy kind of walk about you and right. you know I'm sure there are days you're just like, oh, I just can't do this today. Mm -hmm. But you've got to just look yourself in the mirror and be like, you know, it's like the Joker putting his face on kind of thing. You're like, okay, like clown put his face on. Like I, I've got to be, you know, take a deep breath and get after it. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing. You know, a lot of fans, they only see 10% of Pistol Pete at the games. But the other 90%, you know, we're doing four to five weddings every week. We're going to kids' birthday parties. We're doing all of these things. So, um, so yeah, you were talking about you always have to be on because this might be the only time or the first time or the only time, you know, little kids see Pistol Pete. So, uh -huh. you know, it could be a Saturday morning. I've done it Saturday morning at 8 a.m. at a kid's playroom. And you're walking in, you're driving up from Stillwater to Arkansas, you know, you're leaving at four o'clock in the morning, whatever it may be. And, um, and yeah, you have to be on for that 30 minutes or an hour. Um, you're dead tired because you yeah. did, you know, three events the night before, went to bed at, you know, 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. Um, but yeah, you got to go and, and go do that in the yeah. morning. Um, so yeah, it's, it's always... It, it's it's a big job and it's a big task, but it's always, you know, in the back of your mind of this is way bigger than yourself. Sure. You know, this is somebody else that you're talking about um, and you're making them feel special just by you being here, which is a um, which is a really big honor. You yeah. Know? Even though you aren't the person, you know, they're not hiring Parker Wilson to come in and do this. They're hiring Pistol Pete and we're just representation of Frank Eaton. So. Yeah. Yeah. And the history and the legacy right. of Frank. Exactly. Like that's a huge thing. And, you know, it's a, it's a huge weight to carry on your shoulders, mm -hmm. pun intended, because the helmet's heavy as well. Uh, what was your first game like? Uh, my first game, nerve wracking. Was it football or basketball? It was football. Okay. Yep. So it was football. Uh, and as uh, as Gary mentioned earlier, you get presented with your Spurs mm -hmm. before the game. Yes. So it's quite a big moment, anyway. Absolutely. And then um, you've got to go out on the field. Right. Yeah. I guess you could say, you know, being Pistol Pete, you're not famous, but you're like kind of semi-famous in the eyes of you're famous OSU, yeah. you know, fans. Um, but everyone that's Pistol Pete is really just a nonchalant kind of guy. You know, we don't really like a lot of 
you know, attention on ourselves, that sort of thing. So it is a little nerve wracking when you're, you know, being presented at the Spurs ceremony in, in front of hundreds of people and they're saying, this is Parker Wilson. He's going to be representing Pistol Pete. And, you know, even now I kind of get goosebumps like, man, that was a, that, it's a big opportunity and a big job um, in the back of your mind. You're like, oh, man, I hope I don't mess up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It's just one of those things when it's when something's put up, you know, in front of you and you sign up for and you um, are selected for it. You know, they everyone else thinks that you're the best man for the job and it's time for you to just go out there and, and do it. Um, but... Um, but yeah, it's once you get in the groove of it, you know, it's really no big, it's no big deal. Um, you know, you get used to 50,000 people looking at you. Um, and it is cool. And I guess the first game we did have, uh, the summer leading into it, doing weddings, things like that, um, to kind of, you know, get your bearings a little bit. Um, so it wasn't the most nerve wracking. It wasn't like, you know, drinking out of a fire hose, like, okay, you're up. You know what I mean? You got a little bit of practice. Yeah. Um, so you kind of knew what to expect, but oh yeah, it's loud. It's loud. And when you're shooting the gun off in front of everybody at, in the middle of the field, it'll, uh, it's the most adrenaline I've ever had. Well, it starts with you. Yeah, right? it starts. Like everyone, I, I, OSU game, everyone does their thing. You know, guys come out, stretch, whatever. Players come out. And then everyone looks at you, and you're in the middle of the field. You get off the gator. Les is probably driving it. And you just, everyone's quiet. Mm-hmm. And then you do your thing. Yep. Right? The pizza do their thing. You're like, to have everyone's eyeballs on you waiting for your, for the signal, right? Yep. I mean, that's, that's what a rush that is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then during the game, too, you know, uh, here's one quick. So I think we were, uh, I think we were playing Tulsa my first year. I was Pete. And we weren't doing very well. I think we were winning, but the game was just slow. It was kind of a kind of a boring game to watch. We weren't playing that well. And one of my friends texted me, um, and Michael Albright, he was my partner, was Pete at the time, and I was just off to the side. And he's like, "You need to get something going. Like have Pete shoot the shotgun." So at a half, at a timeout, I told Michael I handed him the shotgun. I was like, "Go shoot this gun." So he goes out there, shoots the gun, and everyone was quiet at the time. And it kind of gets like everybody riled up, and then we just like go on a run and score like I don't know, like 14, 21 points, something like that. And it, I don't know, you could say it was because of that, or you know, you could take either uh, right either direction but I think it helped you know it really gets people up on their feet when they hear a shotgun 12 gauge shotgun blast and everyone uh, everyone reacts and it kind of gets the team you know kind of in the mojo alright let's go Yeah. Um, so it was kind of funny my buddy Kyle Mooney texted me that and kind of so I, I give credit to him <laughs> <laughs> well it's a reset right yeah. like it's one of the biggest resets absolutely go off in a stadium and um, like do you guys wear ear protection for that or not no it's actually very like well insulated inside that head sure. now when you're the guy next to him yeah you, i always like kind of cover my ears up because it is loud um because it's um there, there's two shells that are going off at the same time it's a double trigger uh-huh. so we always shot two i don't know what they do now but we always shot two just to make it as loud as possible um but yeah it's loud it's really loud uh tell me about game day how, how for, for let's go with football mm-hmm. how, how does game day start for you what's that process like and and i mean how early do you start say we have a two o'clock game okay. like, what, what things start there 
I'll have to I'll have to think back on this, see if I can get everything right. So a two o'clock game, we would wake up, Michael and I would wake up, I don't know, around seven o'clock in the morning, um, wake up, get to the field around nine o'clock probably. Um, from there, we would carry the big heads up into Gallagher, take the elevator down, put it in our uh, storage deal, kind of hang out there for a little bit. And then it depended what was going on. They had just started doing, Les, uh, Les Thomas had just started doing like the tailgate of the game or whatever, um, and he would do that before all the activities started. So sometimes we would have to go, you know, one of us would have to get dressed, we'd get on the gator and go to a tailgate, do a little photo op thing. Um, so that would happen. And then I believe it's two hours before the game, so let's just say, you know, 12.30-ish, um, about 12, 11.30 to 12-ish, um, we would load up the truck and go to the Alumni Center, hang out there for, you know, 15 minutes, let's say, and then we would do the walk. We'd go out to... Uh, um, uh, what do you call it? That little plaza that's right there. Yeah. Kind of hang out there, take pictures. Everyone starts forming around. And then um, then the, the team starts coming out. We lead them in. Um, I think he shoot the shotgun twice through there. And I kind of always felt bad for the people that were right next to me. You know, like the little kids, big shotguns going off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's thrilling, you know, walking through there. Because I remember as a kid watching Pete and watching the team do the walk. And now... I'm a part of it. You're, lead, you're leading Yeah, it. you're leading it. Um, so from there, you go in, go into the stadium, um, hang out there for a little bit, and then they did a, uh, a photo op with Pistol Pete right outside the stadium. So you do that, um, come back in, kind of chill for a little bit, and then you get ready for um, the Gator deal. Get on the back of Gator and go out there and shoot the shotgun. So, I mean, it was an all-day event. Um, and then do the game. Um, a lot of people don't know. Everyone thinks that Pistol Pete like magically just comes indoors. <laughs> like Pistol Pete's on the um, the east side, and then he's on the west side, and they're always you know people are looking for him. Like how do you get how do you get over there? I don't even see him go. Uh, well, there's actually two heads, yeah. and so one guy once he gets done with the first quarter, he'll go put all this stuff um, on the east side, and then he'll go around the stadium, and, and then the guy will come out on the on the west side okay yeah so each quarter it switches yeah um but yeah you do that all game and then after that load everything up and and go home and you're all sweaty nasty especially like weather like this so it's right. 105 outside um yeah it was hot <laughs> yeah i was thinking the amount of water weight that you lose during during a game i think i think i would lose like seven pounds a day on a game day Jeez. seven eight pounds something like that yeah that was bad and then sometimes this would happen we do the whole game let's say it was 11 a.m kickoff then you'd have a couple events that night yeah and then, birthdays. yeah yeah because yeah, it's saturday night yeah that's when people get married so how is that like how well you know what's that like being at people's i mean a wedding like that's that's something they're going to remember for the rest of their lives hopefully they only get married once you know like having pete there is a huge you know people mm -hmm. request it sometimes you don't get it because it's double booked so right. like it's a huge moment absolutely yeah and it was really weird for me because i have always uh, dancing hasn't been my biggest thing <laughs> growing up even at weddings I, I was always the guy you know standing off to the side um you know having a drink or whatever it may be um 
So I never really was in, on the dance floor. And now I'm Pistol Pete and I'm going to all these weddings. Well, I have to be in the middle. I have to be dancing. I have to be having a good time. So it really pushed me out of my comfort zone for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get there and um, get suited up. They always have someone there expecting you. So it's a pretty easy process. Yeah. You know, you come in this door, change here. And then when I tell you go out there, you go. Yeah. And everyone's always like, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know, whatever I want to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do whatever. You know, what I always like doing is going and finding the the guy with no hair that's uh-huh. bald, and I'd have the handkerchief, and I'd always go and shine his head up, and everyone always loved that. So uh, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, you you did it for during kind of a very strange period, right? Mm-hmm. COVID like wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, any stories from that moment of just how different it was and how you kind of get through it and also, you know, just good times as well? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it. so how the Pistol Pete um, tryouts go, once you're Pete that night, you have events starting the next day, which is a big task. And fortunately, I didn't have that because it was rewriting like the heart of COVID. So I had a good break where I'd have an event, you know, one day and then I wouldn't have an event for two weeks. So it was a good way to like kind of practice, kind of digest everything, I guess you could say. Um, we didn't do as many events as sure. the other guys. Um, that was just, that's just a given, you know, there weren't as many weddings, uh, yeah, birthday yeah. parties, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it was weird, you know, going to the games, you have to wear a mask in this way. You have to enter through this door. Um, Real stories. I don't. I don't really know any real stories. I guess the one thing is we couldn't be on the field, so we were up. We were right underneath the big screen there. Okay. That's on Gallagher. Yeah. And um, that was very weird. Just walking back and you couldn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, All you did was go back and forth. Yeah. Um, so we really had to get creative on on what we were gonna do. We had all these plans and we kept on getting rejected. Um, we were gonna, you know, bring live. Uh, like a boat out there, like a sea dew or whatever, and just like going across the tarmac or whatever. We're like, no, we're not going to do that. I, like, I mean, what are we going to do? We're just standing up here. Um, but no, shooting the shotgun up there was really loud. Probably the loudest I've ever heard because there was that yeah, brick wall right behind. Um, so that was not fun. I remember all the, we did it the first time and all the cheerleaders, they didn't like kind of put their ear, their hands up to their ears and it really like rang their bell. So after that, everyone was always putting earplugs in their ears. Um, but yeah, that was a weird, that was yeah. a very weird year. What's uh, of the good times then? What, you know, the outside of COVID, what, what's um, some stories from your travels? Like obviously, you know, you go to games and stuff. What's, mm-hmm. what's that like? Uh, games are really fun. So you travel with the spirit squad, um, with the palm team and the cheerleaders. Um, and I, I didn't really know a lot of those people before. So getting to know them was, was really cool. Um, you're just traveling like a sports team, you know, uh, you're flying, you know, I went to the Fiesta Bowl, um, there in Arizona. That was awesome. Um, just going and going to the Cardinal stadium and went to the big 12 champion second year. Um, you know, going underneath the Cowboys Stadium and all through the back tunnels and you're seeing, you know, all the Bentleys and Mercedes and all the executives that park underneath the stadium is pretty cool and going to the locker rooms and then you just walk out in the field like you own the place, you know, and that's kind of the attitude that you you have to have. Um, 
you know, nobody wants to see like a scared Pete or like kind of scared to do something. You know Timmy, what I mean? Yeah. You want to interact with everybody. You know, once you're there, you you really do kind of own the place, uh, which is is kind of strange once you're really new to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is really fun. Yeah. Oh, I had so much fun. I think the uh, Big Twelve Championship. Um, we got me and Michael got all all media pass, so we had these big passes, like, and we could go anywhere we wanted. So like, the football team's warming up pregame, the cheerleaders are stretching and doing whatever they do, and me and Michael we go to the suites down below and we start just eating breakfast because our card worked. We got in the door and we're just taking pictures, and everyone's looking at us like. Are, are they in there eating breakfast right now? And we had bacon and eggs and all these like fancy desserts. And we we're just in there eating, and it was awesome. I mean, you uh, you get all the luxuries. Um, uh, I will say my my favorite travel story though, and this is really cool. Um, I, th- I think it was in October of my first year, so it was it was very new when I was Pete. I, uh, Becky Jackson, the spirit coordinator called me. He was like, Hey, do you want to go to Florida? And I was like, yeah, I'll win. Um, so Taylor made the golf company just rolled out their, um, pistol peat balls that they were doing, uh, for Matt Wolf and, um, Ricky Fowler. And they were like, yeah, we want to have pistol peat at our photo shoot in Jupiter, Florida at Trump national. So be here at this day. And there was like no direction. I didn't know if I was going to see anybody. I didn't know if I was going to be in a back room for five minutes, do a photo shoot and come out or whatever. So, um, I don't think Becky knows this, but I actually took one of my buddies. I, I told everybody he was my manager at the time. <laughs> it was really just one of my friends. So we loaded up and we, uh, got on a plane to Jupiter, Florida got our uh, our rental car and hotel and just kind of hung out there and then we show up to Trump National which is just a unbelievable golf course and we we pull up go through the VIP access point and we see Matt Wolf, Ricky Fowler, Dustin Johnson, uh Roy McIlroy all hitting on the range and we're like oh my gosh what is going on um so then as soon as I get there, they put me in a room. We start doing a photo shoot with the ball. And my buddy is right behind because, like, I introduced him as my manager, you know. <laughs> uh, so he's watching the photo shoot go on, and some guy comes up behind him, and he's like, hey, have you seen my phone anywhere? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he turns around, and it's like Dustin Johnson, and he had just won the Masters. And my buddy's, like, a huge golf fan. And his like, I could see him, you know, say he's right there looking at us, and I could see him, his eyes are just, like, this wide, like, Oh my God, that's Dustin Johnson. Uh, so it was really cool. And then we did a uh, we did a little um, commercial video shoot with Ricky and Matt after that. Um, and then we just I took the head off and we took some pictures and we just talked for an hour. Me, Ricky, Matt, and my buddy. And Matt, he's my age. Um, I didn't know we didn't know him personally in college, but we knew we had friends of friends. And he was he's like, so how long are y'all staying? And we're like, well, we're we're getting on a plane uh, tomorrow morning and going home. He's like, well, I'm I have a jet that's going back to Oklahoma City tonight. If you guys just want to hop on, and we we're like, yeah, let's do that. So we went back to our hotel, loaded all our stuff, and he brought us to his house. We just hung out for the day, um, and then went to the private airport, got on his plane, and flew home. Um, so it was just one of those things where you didn't really expect 
anything. Like I said, they didn't have any direction at all. And then it turns out we get to meet all these famous golfers right home on a private jet. <laughs> it's crazy. Your buddies at the trip is lying. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just yeah. tell them you're army manager. No big deal. Right. Just don't say anything. Just, <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, finishing up, what, uh, what, what's it like being on the other side? Like, what's it like, you know, being out and, and being a part of, of, of the fraternity now and guys and groups that, you know, on the on the other side of being Pete? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, when I said that it changed my life forever, it really did. Um, you know, you, you live in that era through college, and it's awesome at that time. Um, and then you, you graduate, and you're like, okay, what, what am I doing now? Um, you're looking for jobs, that sort of thing. Um, and what's the... What direction do I turn? So I turn to the Pistol Pete kind of fraternity and like, hey, I'm looking for a job, this sort of thing. Boom, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity. So now I go to work. Um, I got a job through another Pistol Pete at his company. And it's just one after another of, um, you know, because I did this in college, it has blessed me with all of these opportunities in the, in the future. Um, and it's been awesome, you know, and you get to go back to Oklahoma State games um, and you, you know, you just get to share stories, um, meet new people um, and people know you because of what you did, you know, for some of these guys, like my dad 30 years ago or whatever it may be. And he still gets introduced. This is Rick Wilson. He was a pistol Pete. This is Parker, you know, whatever it may be, um, which is awesome. You know, we, we weren't the guys you know, on the field, breaking our necks, breaking our arms, everything. We never really, you know, we're in danger. We just did this small role. Um, and it's it, it's really cool to see all the opportunities after. Um, and I encourage everyone to do it, you know. Um, when I was trying out, I think everybody who probably tried out, it's like kind of a goofy, kind of a goofy deal. You know, you're walking around, you don't really know everything that, that happens. Um, and you just kind of you know, not fall into it, but you just kind of take a leap of faith, I guess you could say. Um, and I would do it again every single day. And I miss it. I really do. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised you that, you that you miss it. Like, it sounds like one of the best clubs to be a part of. Yeah. And the good thing is now that you get to be a part of it for the rest of your life, you know, going, you know, going to present the Spurs to next year or this year's game or whatever it was, like, you know, you're a huge part of it. And, and obviously you're, you're kind of special. you got your dad involved in it too. Right. So um, thanks for coming down. Thanks for bringing the dog. Uh, appreciate <laughs> you. Appreciate you sharing some stories and uh, excited to hear more. Um you know, as things go on and, um, yeah, it, it's been a pleasure to share your story and, and the other guys' stories as well. So for people listening, um, reach out to the guys, reach out, uh, if you want to be a Pete, if you think about being a Pete, um, you should, uh, strongly consider it and get involved. So thanks so much for listening and uh, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them 
do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This podcast is brought to you by the Oklahoma Beef Council. On behalf of Oklahoma's 50,000 beef farming and ranching families, we are working hard every day to bring high-quality beef to your table. To learn more, visit OKLABeef.org. That's OKLABeef.org, linked below. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us Saturday, September 30th for our sobriety sprint 5K as we remember, honor, and celebrate those who've lost their lives. This family-focused event will feature a one-mile fun run, inflatables, food trucks, and more. Register to run or honor a loved one at sobrietysprint.com. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.